Amen. All right, well, good evening and, and, and welcome to, uh, to our midweek service here at uh, Ayers Christian Center Church. We want to we wanna, um, get into, we've been talking about the Power of Fellowship, so we want to get into, uh, get back into that. I believe this is our fourth week talking about the Power of Fellowship. Uh, just give me a little bit more volume. <clears throat> might be my voice, but thank you. I appreciate it, sir. All right. Uh, we want to uh, get into this fourth week. And we've been talking about through the last few weeks, we talked about accountability and how that's a part of fellowship. I mean, we opened up just talking about the challenge of just fellowshipping in general, you know, uh, e even in marriage and friendships and, you know, friendships go great until, you know, you have to tr say a truth, speak a truth. And for some of us, we're still working through fellowship. We limit our interactions. We stay away from um, if we think people are more special or, or they're sharper or they're more excellent. Well, those are the atmospheres we want to challenge ourselves to press into. Um, we have uh, uh, various fellowships here, Bible study fellowships, girl talk, guy talk. You know, if you're not participating in them, challenge yourself to participate. That, that's the easiest level to interact. You know, because you have uh, Zoom for girl talk, you have conference call for guy talk, um, those, uh, the morning fellowships, you know, those are a lot easier to react, uh, to, to interact than personal fellowship, but that's a transition into it. All right, so we, we've been talking about accountability a little bit. We talked about committing in terms of vows last week. And so as I was meditating on accountability, God showed me this. Accountability is living in vulnerability. Accountability is living in vulnerability. Let's, let's, let's look at uh, Genesis 2.25. Genesis 2.25. A familiar scripture, but we'll, we'll get into it here. Uh, now, now, this is after God created uh, Eve from Adam's rib, right? And then Adam called her, uh, called her a woman or womb man, man with a womb, right? Because she was taken out of man, right? And then verse 24 says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. But then verse 25 is our highlight scripture here in Genesis 2. It says, and they were both naked the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed uh, or unashamed. They were not ashamed. So here they were both vulnerable and exposed, and they weren't ashamed. The shame kicked in after sin. You know, after they sinned, it says that they knew that they were naked, and they hid themselves. So the hiding is a result of sin. Right? The covering ourselves. See, see it, they hid themselves. They tried to cover themselves. Now, later on, God gave them uh, animal skins and things of that nature. But, you know, they hid themselves among the leaves or whatever. But, but so, so were they different? Was they at a different design? They were at the same design, but they changed their positioning from vulnerability to hiding. Right? And, but count, accountability is living in vulnerability. And, um, you know, the Lord showed me this a while ago, and I uh, think I was having a one-on-one -on -one with another uh, gentleman, um, Will Allen, and, and we were talking about accountability and responsibility. So the, account the accountable and the responsible know the cost. They know the cost, know that there is a cost, and are willing to pay it. The accountability know there's a cost, accountable and responsible. So there's a cost to operate in fellowship, and accountability and responsibility. And those that are, are accountable and responsible, they have an insight or a revelation that this, it's a cost involved in relationship. We always talk about marriage, about the due to relationship boot camp. You know, um, we, you know, marry by faith and grow in love. So I went into marriage knowing that there was a cost, knowing that there was gonna be a shift in my life. You know, I had people saying, man, you about to get, you about to take on that ball and chain and you know, all these little different things. I mean, you can call it what you want, but I'm, 
I'm in love. I want to advance that love. I want to harmonize with the person I love, so I'm willing to pay the price. For what I want is worth it. It's always been worth it in my, in, in my marriage. What I want is worth it. I want, you know, have a fulfilling relationship. It's worth the cost. You know, so it's, it's a cost. And, and so a lot of people are still stuck in a certain position, even in relationship, because they don't want to pay that cost. They want, they want the benefit of a fulfilling relationship at their convenience. It's not at your convenience, it's at a cost. And the cost starts before you even meet the person. Right? Hey, so let's, let's look here at Luke 14. I think this will all make sense. Yes, we're talking about the power of fellowship, but fellowship starts with another person, right? Before you get into all the crowd, it starts with at least another person, right? <laughs> you know, obviously the first person is God. We know that. I know some of y'all try, try to throw that audible out there. I'm paying attention. I'm picking up what's going on in the spirit out here. All right, so Luke 14 and verse 28, another familiar scripture to a lot of people. It says, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it be, uh, begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So he's saying the results of not counting the cost is going to be mocking and embarrassment. Because you're going to start out with something, you didn't consider the whole picture, which is the cost, get into something only to see it fall, and you know, normally at that time, we're going to excuse the fall, not take accountability and responsibility that we didn't count the cost. You know, I had a great conversation with my grandson today, and as we were talking, I, I, I have to commend him because he heard some things, it's been tough. And he, and he ended up saying, you know what, I, I had an opportunity and I didn't take full advantage of it. So he owned it. He's 14. He'd be 15 on Monday, whatever the 31st is. He owned it at, at that age as opposed to deflecting. Well, you know, uh, if it wasn't for them, it wasn't for them. Listen, it ain't, ain't nobody else coming. It's you. <laughs> it's us, okay? It's us, right? right so, so let's look at this. So we have to count this cost, and, and, and I, I want us to lock in on what this cost entails because there's a cost of fellowship. We're talking about the cost of fellowship here, right? And so Philippians 3, and God is helping us because he's covering every aspect of our exchange and interactions. And for a long time, we're actually thinking it's them, but it's us, right? Because what's the common denominator? Somebody said, okay, I was going to say us, but somebody said me, right? <laughs> right, right? That's the common denominator. Ain't nobody else coming, right? Common denominator in all our funk is who? Come on, let me hear you say it. <laughs> right? It's us, right? All right, so Philippians 3, in thinking through this cause. So, um, Philippians 3, verse 13. It says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Right? And that's kind of counting myself to have apprehended is almost the word we could say for I think I've arrived. So, because when I think I've arrived, then surely the whole world is tripping. So, if I'm at the job and I think I'm arrived, I've arrived, right? Then... Everybody out here is tripping because I should be promoted, right? Because I've already arrived. I've already apprehended, right? If I'm in a relationship, well, you should be head over heels in love with me because I've arrived, right? If I'm, if I'm single, well, what's wrong with these people? They, they should have found me by name now because what? I've already apprehended what I need to have captured them or captivated them, Right? So if I think I've apprehended, I should already have the promotion. I should already be a minister. I should already have my ministry. My business should be blown up, right? All because what? I believe that I've apprehended. It says, uh, but he said, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. 
If I'm going to use my energy, my energy is going to be in forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Right? So forgetting things, uh, forgetting things that are behind is how we let go of the bottom. Right? What bottom? Not drinking on the pain of the past. So one of the costs here to really embrace fellowship, I can't be still sink, uh, sipping on that bottle of what happened to me, right? I got to let go of the bottle. Well, see, that's a cost because I've been drinking a bottle for a long time. That's been my justification. Because, you know, something, there is a, um, what do we want to say? There is a, a, a sense of safety in I'm by myself. Because, like, can't nobody ask me no questions, right? No one's going to challenge me. Like, if I want to be funky today, I could be funky. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I don't want to, like, clean myself up, shave, I could do that. Because no one's, you know, Pastor Mel's not going, so, so, so like, you going to church like that? <laughs> like, or she's not, you know, we sit together, she'll go, babe, you need a mint. Right? Tell, nobody's telling me I need a mint. I can just roll like I want to roll. Get up to when I want to get up, do what I want to do. Right? But it's that best. It's comfortable, but is it best? I don't have to be excellent. When you start getting around people, they <laughs> like, now some of us have been in relationships, right? And they didn't work out. What happened? Now, did you, did you, it, it, when I asked that question, did your first thought go to them or to you? That's why I asked the question. If your first thought went to them, you really need this message. <laughs> when, you, when you're explaining why things didn't work out with, with, with the career or the, the move you made, if your first thought is them, she, she said, you need Jesus, <laughs> right? All right, so, so forgetting those things, so, so, so we won't get off that bottle. And so, so, so I want to ask you this. Are we using anxiety, depression, betrayal, diagnosis, and disappointments as outs to excuse us from accountability and responsibility? So it's on the video. <laughs> no, I'll repeat it. I'll, I'll repeat it. So as we're use, are we using anxiety? Depression, betrayal, diagnosis, <laughs> and disappointments as outs to excuse us from accountability and responsibility. See, so because sometimes, you know, you, you know uh, man, I, I want to be insensitive, so how could I say this? I knew somebody was going to say, just say it, because they don't have the mic, and they ain't going to get the heat, you know. Go on, man. Go on, Pastor. Bring it. Look, quote back there going, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let me say, how could I put this? All right, so sometimes we have these diagnoses. Ah, man, I hate uh, So I ain't saying no names, so I can say this, right? So I didn't say no particular names. It could be uh, anxiety. It could be postpartum. It could be whatever, a a a bipolar or whatever. And we wear it like a badge. Well, because, like, but we only wear it to get out of stuff. Right, when, when it, when, to, to get out of stuff, hey, it was my, my bipolar. When it's to get in stuff, hey, man, I got bipolar. You ain't going to look out for me? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, we kind of use it as outs, you know, and, and we have to watch that because we're in the kingdom and God can deliver us from anything. But sometimes we, man, you know, ever since they betrayed me. And remember I said, we got to watch it because sometimes things happen to us in, in a few minutes and we don't turn them into a lifetime. We're still playing off of what was done or what was said to us. And I'll tell you this, it, somebody said, well, that makes no sense. What kind of sense does it make for you to do that? Like, like what's wrong with you? You can't figure that out? That is so easy to study other. 
And, well, you know, that's stupid or whatever case at the time. Or, you know, I don't know, you could have been getting D's, FC's or whatever. But you got to understand, and when you're young, depending on your environment, your circumstance, sometimes it's hard to process and hard to focus. That doesn't mean you're incompetent. Obviously, you're not incompetent. You wouldn't be here. A competent person can't live long. You see what I'm saying? Like, like when you, in your mind, and you conjure up, well, I don't, I don't think that's important. Or, or I think, here, pastor goes with that. Well, I think that's stupid. It takes some intellect to, con- conquer that, to, to come up with that defense too, don't it? And so what happens is you can't just like live off of the negative indictments of your past. It's so old. Or the mistake you made. Okay, you, did, you made it. Everybody talked about you. Some people shunned you. You are correct. Forget the things that are behind you and move forward. You're almost justifying their position by staying in that demise. You're making them right. As opposed to living beyond the situation and showing them they're wrong. Does that make sense? All right, so, so again, we're talking about fellowship. And these are some of the things that pull us from fellowship because you can't keep putting up your excuse victim badge and think you're going to harmonize with people. Right? Because... You don't like walking on eggshells and neither do they. So if you're snapping all the time, they're walking on eggshells. You're defensive, overly defensive, they're walking on eggshells. If you're overly sensitive, they're walking on eggshells. And you want people to enjoy a relationship? If you're thirsty, they're walking on eggshells. That's going to affect fellowship because it's not fair. You're demanding more than's necessary to harmonize in this relationship. You're giving little and expecting much. But if you, if, if you can cast your cares to God, then you can give the same thing they're giving, their genuine self. Okay? All right. So just, just walk, walk with me here. We're talking about the cost of fellowship here, right? We're talking about engaging in fellowship. And we're going to be delivered for some, from some things so we can actually really benefit from what God has afforded us, Right? That amen? Amen. Y'all out there, y'all can't see all the excitement in here, but oh my God, this place is jumping around. Look at them. Hey, hey, don't hurt yourself there doing all those flips. All right, so Proverbs 24, nobody was doing flips. That was just me being facetious, okay? Proverbs 24, (laughs) who's doing flips in here? (laughs) Who can flip? All right, so (laughs) Proverbs 24. And verse 27. All right, so, so the uh, King James says this. It says, prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field. So, that's a, so, so, so I'm, it's being prepared outside of the field, but there's a time when it's actually going to be within the field uh, getting some things done. And then it says, um, and afterwards, build thine house, right? So as the Amplifier says this, the, the classic Amplifier, it says, put first things first, right? It says, prepare your work outside, get it ready for yourself in the field. All right, so I'm, 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 there's a level of preparation before I even get in the fellowship. But then when I get in the fellowship, now I'm, 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 I'm recognizing the adjustments I need to make. So I'll give you an example. I always use sports, but... There's, there's a time when you're working on your game because you, you want to play for a team and you believe you're ready. There's a time when you're working on yourself and you want to be a part of a ministry. You believe you're ready. There's a time when you're working on yourself and you want to be a part of the job. You believe you're ready or you want to start the business. You believe you're ready, right? But you really don't know. You're, or there's a time when, when you're working on yourself for the relationship, right? You don't really know you're ready until you get involved in a relationship. And when you get involved in a relationship, either you're going to go, whoa, I thought I was ready. I need to make some adjustments here. Or you're going to be like, they tripping. Right? If you say they tripping, you're still going to be stuck in what you need to change. If you embrace what they're saying, you're going to shift and make the adjustments and change. That's the conversation I was having with my grandson. Like, okay, you're ready for a certain level. Now you're a part of a team. Now you're learning things within the team to really get you ready. 
But, but you can't take it like something's wrong with you. Now, I didn't say this to him, but I'm saying this to us. You can't take it like something's wrong with you when somebody points stuff out. We've all gone through it. Oh, uh, no, no, you, you, you're not doing this right. See, 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 trying to put me down. No, I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to make you aware of what you're not doing right so you can flow with the team, so you can flow with the family, so you can flow with the ministry, so you can flow with the business. Right? Does that make sense? And so I'm prepared. I'm doing first things work. First thing first, I'm preparing. It says prepare your work outside. Get it ready for yourself in the field. Um, now, and then it says afterwards, build your house and establish your home. So after I go through the process of preparation, test the preparation amongst the fellowship, then I'm ready to build. But we're trying to skip the fellowship and wonder why we're not building. We're trying to skip the accountability, the responsibility, the scrutiny, the chastising, the reproof and correction. We're trying to skip the truth and trying to build. And see, that's, that's, that's why the, the hustler Remember, we talked about the pimp the other, the other day, right? That hustler, they're hustling themselves because they're skipping the very things they're going to need once they've hustled their way to a place. Now the demand is needed. You ever, like, uh, either hustled or seen someone hustle? Some of y'all going to take the, the, the route of seeing someone hustle. But, but you ever hustled? Well, I've done it. I've, I kind of navigated my way into a position, and then when I got there, I was like, oh, my God. Now I, got, I hope they don't find out. I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, if they find out, like, oh, oh, I'm going to use me. I said, I'll be putting me out there. So I don't even know y'all know this. So uh, it took a long time for me to get my license. Um, just never had nobody take me, right? So I, I watch people drive and stuff. Like, when I say a long time, I mean, I'm, I'm past 17, 18, 19. I don't have a license. I'm in, I'm in New Jersey, mass transit, so I can catch the bus everywhere I went. So, so uh, and then I was always hanging with people that had cars, <laughs> right? But I wanted, I wasn't, uh, I, I, used to, I passed the written test. Uh, I wasn't afraid to drive, but nobody would take me. You know, my dad would always give me different excuses. Actually, my uncle, uh, my uncle Norris, um, uh, one day he said, he said, just, just show up. Because I was asking my dad, he says, he says, come here tomorrow, I'm going to take you with the Cadillac, and I'm going to take you to get your license. I finally got my license. But before this, I got a job in upstate New York working with juveniles. The requirement for the job was you had to have a license. So I lied and said I had a license. I even wrote a wrong number in there. So, so the interesting thing is, the whole time, the first day now, first day, we had to take the kids to the Bronx skate. I worked in upstate New York. So probably to get to the Bronx, let me see, because it took me an hour and a half to get to New Jersey. So probably to get to the Bronx might have been a 45, 50 minutes, Tapestry Bridge, this, that, and the other. And Tapestry Bridge was, was all mountains. It's all mountains. It's like, you know them little rails? <laughs> but it was, it was just mountains. It's like Bear Mountain is up in that area. You just keep going up, right? And so I'm driving. So when they gave, they gave me the keys, I just took them. So I, took, I take them to New York. So now, I, I don't know, I don't know, it might have been a year or so, I'm not long. But, but, I, but the whole time I'm driving. I'm taking kids everywhere they go. Van, driving a van was a part of your job, right? And then sometimes you ta- I would take the van to the bar, you know, like you weren't supposed to. But I would take the, because of the bar, you had no place to go. I, ne- I didn't go to bars coming up until I went to upstate New York because there's no place else to go. There's no clubs. You're in the country. It's just one bar, Michael's, right? And so I just take stuff to Michael's and park van. Do come now. I'm coming back. I went to Michael's for what? Y'all figure that out. We got some young kids here, but y'all know what I went to Michael's for, right? And then I'm driving back. No license. I was kind of talking in cold. Pastor Mel's out here talking about and drunk. I tell you, boy. It's always one in the crowd, right? So, 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 all this time I hustled, right? I skipped some steps. So this one day I'm coming back from Michael's, and we had this term. I forgot what we called the term, but it wasn't a regular term. Like you turn, and it, you turn it, you, you ain't going left, 
you're like going like this, right? And so it's raining. And, and, and people used to always say this, even the kids. The kids used to be nervous when I'd be driving because I, I never went lower than 65 no matter where I was going. And it, it, it could be raining, it could be whatever. So, so when I'd be driving the kids back from uh, uh, upstate New York, they, used to be, they was quiet. And the kids was never quiet. <laughs> but they were scared, you know. Like, <laughs> like, like, like this, kid, this guy's going to kill us, right? So this particular day I'm driving and it's wet. I make the turn and the car starts spinning. It spinned the van. The van starts spinning and I ended up on the other side of the road. If another car was coming, I ended up on the side of the road where cars are coming the opposite direction. And so I ended up uh, spinning out in, in, in a, a section of trees, shattered the windshield and everything. I have no license, right? So, they, so, so, so I had to write a report. So when I wrote a report, I wrote a fictitious number on a report. Right? So I'm in a position where I, I probably can lose my job here. So I go and rush to get my license. That's where my uncle uh, took me. I got, so I ended up getting my license. And so I'm trying to get my license before the report comes out so I can put a real number in there. <laughs> and, and, and by the grace of God, I didn't lose my job. But I was fronting. I spent all that time hiding, hoping nobody found out that I didn't have a license. And, and, and so that's what happens when we hustle and put ourselves in position. We live with so much weight and stress because the whole time we're trying not to be found out. Right? And, 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 we, and you don't have to do that. Just don't skip the steps. And if you skip steps, go back and get the steps. Embrace them. Now, I was hired as a ministerial assistant, and I wasn't ordained. I wasn't ordained. I'm trying to think of something else. Oh, I haven't been to ministry school yet. But for whatever reason, the pastor said, the Lord said, I need to hire you. You need to be at this church. And my title was ministerial assistant. And I did PE with the school, and I also did, a, I was a youth director. There were other people ordained, right? So... I didn't gloat like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a minister, this, that, and the other. I learned what I needed to learn while I was in the position. I didn't cheat. I embraced everything. I didn't rush. I embraced everything in the position, right? All right, so, so, so put first things first, right? That's Proverbs 24, 27, right? That's a part of the cost of really benefiting from fellowship. Because this is what happens when you're around genuine people, they expect you to be genuine. If you tell somebody that you have a skill set, they're expecting you to what? Do what you say you could do. But if you don't have the skill set, it's, it's confusing to everybody around. Because you're getting defensive. Like, why are you getting defensive? You just said that's your skill set, so you should be able to do this. I remember somebody was in a position, I just said, I respect. If you tell me you could do something, I respect it. I've been this way my whole life. They told me the person's in a position. I had the skill set, but they gave this person a position. I said, well, cool. I said, okay, so uh, we're just going to do this, but we just need you to give, a, your, give us your expertise. And it's like, so what you trying to say? I was like, huh? I'm trying to tell you to give us your expertise because this is your expertise. So I, I, was, I was trying to make the person comfortable to know that even though you know I have the skill set too, if you hire for the position, I'm going to let you do that job. I got plenty of other jobs to do. And I'm going to honor you for that. And we're not moving forward without your input. But the person was hiding. And everything was defensive. I, I just don't understand. I said, listen, maybe you don't understand. Like, this is what you, you, you boasted that you could do. So we're expecting you to do it. If you can't do it, just say, oh, I know I have this position. But this is something I'm still trying to learn. Cool. Then we're not expecting it now. Does that make sense? Okay, all right, good, good. Making you think, ain't it? So even when David was in a situation where, remember they ran, he, uh, one of his, one of those, uh, those, those special people he had in the, in the cave ran out, got him a drink of water, went through the, <laughs> went through the, the army to just get him a drink. See, that, hey, hey, that's serving a man of God at a whole nother level, right? He, when he brought it back, David poured the thing out. <laughs> He said, he said, no, 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 no. He says, I, I, I don't want anything that didn't cost me anything. 
Like even, even though somebody was willing to give him something that he didn't pay for, because it didn't cost him, uh, 2 Samuel 24, 24, he didn't want to accept it. See, he, he wanted to make sure he gave his heart to the fellowship, right? David, David, David had to feel a piece of himself offered to God to know that what took place had value. He had to feel a piece of himself offered. It didn't, he didn't feel nothing. He didn't feel like he had given nothing. And so, so, so as we're tra- uh, transitioning into fellowship and as God breaks through, um, the fellowship is going to be a big key to us breaking through because a lot of breaking is going to take place in fellowship <laughs> because a lot of stuff is going to come out. Um, we're going to be tempted to, be, to fight against it just as a default, you know, we, we always are tempted to fight. Huh? I'm straight. I'm straight. And we're trying to say, you know, we're going to be tempted. But you got to ask yourself this. What are we fighting for? And can it sustain our lives? If you're fighting for something, what you're fighting for to protect or to cover, can it sustain our lives? Sometimes we're fighting at the expense of our lives. And that's dangerous. We're so busy reflexing and fighting, it's at the expense of our lives. And it's affecting us harmonizing with, with that or with those that God has put in our lives to help us. Remember we were talking about the other week how, um, you know, here eventually we're going to judge angels, and in certain fellowships uh, there should be judgment. It was 1 Corinthians 6, you know, we were talking about that for a few weeks. And so the interesting thing is, uh, uh, let's look here at Second, Second Samuel 7. Because a part of this fellowship and a part of the cost is embrace, embracing the judge, judges or judgments that are around you. That's why the adversary in the world has worked so hard to flush, to overwhelm us, to flash flood. You know what a flash flood is, right? Well, in, in marketing, they just... Like, you know, for 30 seconds, if, you, if you're in a movie theater for 30 seconds and they're running all that, that stuff on at you, within there, within all that 30 seconds was go get some popcorn and, and Coca-Cola. But, but so much stuff came. You know, they could show you like 25 clips in 30 seconds. And they're flash flooding you. They're not giving you a chance to choose. They're flooding you with it. And so they flash flooded into to us. Don't judge me. Or you ever, somebody ever call you up and say, I want to talk to you about this, but I just don't want you to judge me. And then so what did you, what did you start thinking? Well, whatever I do, I just want to make sure I show this person I'm not judging them. But we said judgment is what? Properly assessing a situation. And when you're in fellowship, there's going to be judgment. People are going to have to assess a situation because sometimes you can be thrown off the harmony. Man, I got some guys, uh, Kelly McClure is one of them. You know, they moved to, uh, back to Ohio. We still talk. Uh, but we played together, me, me, him, and a guy named Andreas in um, Ohio. We were like the three-guard tandem. And then out here was me, Kelly, and Felipe. And some other people, Har- uh, Daryl Harrison and some other people. So the interesting thing is, man, you know, for us to flow together, we had to challenge each other. I mean, and, and, and sometimes it was some, some tough challenges. I remember one time... Uh, this is one of those mornings, man, early in the morning, we play early in the morning. I think I threw the ball away two or three times, like thoughtlessness, you know, just threw it away. So Kel was like, man, man, that's the, no, I think it was the second time. Man, that's the second time you did that. I said, my bad, coach. He was mad, though. He was hot, like he was real mad, you know, because we, you know, could have cost us to lose the game, right? He was like, man, that's the second time you did that. I said, my bad, coach. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even get defensive because it was my fault. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? What am I, what am I fighting? Nah, you don't understand, Kel, what happened is, but I'm telling them stuff. You know, I'm a stickler. I should tell you, he came out to play one time. I said, you coming to, to get exercise or you coming to, 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 to play, like to win? And he just looked at me like, what you trying to say? I said, man, nothing personal, man. We don't get up early in the morning to lose. If you coming to just to get exercise, then I'm not picking you on my team. If you coming to win and to play, you ready to play, I'm picking you on my team. But see, so it wasn't personal. But, but we did, that's, that's the reality. Are you, are, you, are you coming to win in life or are you just playing around? 
Because if you playing around, I'm not picking you on my team. If you're coming to win in life, yeah, but if you're coming to win, you're going to embrace what? Correction, instruction, and judgment, right? Assessments. All right, so 2 Samuel 7, right? I'm not even there, running my mouth, but I'll get over there. 2 Samuel 7, uh, this is one of my chapters, you know, uh, one of them that I used to read consistently. I uh, love this chapter, but uh, verse 11. It says, and as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee, look, to rest from all thy enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou, uh, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed, pro, proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. But he says, since the day I set up judges, right? And then he also said to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest. So the original uh, intent for judges was to, to have assessors that will facilitate rest, to keep us in harmony with his will. So when somebody's assessing you, they're, they're, if, and they're doing it with the right heart, they're trying to keep in their will. Hey, 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 oh, no, you're going outside the lines. Well, one of the things in corrections, when you, it was a regimented thing about we took the kids on a trip because it's, it was maximum security. So these people are locked, the, the, the kids are locked up. So when we played, I had a basketball team that I played in the, in the public community. So one, you have people in fear because these people are locked up. <laughs> and some of them for murder and all types of stuff. So there was an order. There was a count before we got in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the bus, count, count off. When we got in, count. When we got out, count. Everybody had to be accountable for everywhere they went because one, we're responsible. We can't lose nobody, but also we can't lose sight of anybody because if we do, they can end up doing something that was, we were going to be liable for, right? So if you got, if, if, if you straight away, hey, 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 no, no, no. Over here, over here. No, 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 we're all going in together. When we went, got out of the cafeteria, parade rest. Everybody had to be in line, 25 on each side, and parade rest. So I can see where everybody's at and what everybody's doing. When we got in the cafeteria, no, 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 we're not sitting there, we're all sitting here. You see what I'm saying? I'm, 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 I'm assessing, I'm judging, I'm going, no, 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 you're out of the line, you're out of the order, you're out of the flow. If you're all over the place, you're going to cost us something. You want gym time? Stay in line. Right? So, so, so it was, it, it's for a reason. Same thing, we're flowing a certain way, we're all rolling the same way, we're in order, we're, 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 we're in harmony. If you get out of harmony, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Hey, 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 no, 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 no. You don't, want, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to partake of that. That's going to bleed into us. Does that make sense? We're good. All right, good, good. We're on the same page. All right, so, so during this process where our tutors and governors keep us lined up with God's Word. They're, they're, it's, it's, so the Scripture says we're on the tutors and governors to the point in time of the Father, right? So they keep us in line. Now, that, that's not in line with God's Word. Uh, people do uh, weddings and stuff like that. We go, okay, well, in God's house, we don't play secular music. We're not against you. what they're doing at their house. We're saying in God's house, we don't play secular music. So sometimes we have to shift the wedding order because we couldn't take that song. That's my favorite song. Appreciate that's your favorite song. In God's house, they may play it at the reception, but in God's house, we can't play that song. Right? You understand what I'm saying? That key, so what are we doing? Bringing things back in order. Keeping things in line with God's will. And we tell people, do you, do you want a, a marriage that's going to start with the foundation of God? Or do you want to allow the world into your foundation that can weaken your foundation? Are we against their marriage? No. We're keeping it in line with God because they want God's blessing over it. That makes sense? Okay. So, and so, so Matthew 4, 4 says, uh, what? Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So in our fellowship, 
we're making sure we're all in harmony with his word. This is the thing. I want, I want to share this about God's word. It has been, it is, and it will be the voice of God. It is never old. It is always fresh and new. To the heart that is in fellowship with God, the word is God's living voice. See, if, if, see when we're in fellowship and we're in fellowship around the word, when we hear God's word, it's God's living voice. So the interesting thing is you guys have children. When you open your mouth, what irritates you when your kids don't pay you no mind? Because you're telling them something that you believe they need to do, right? Especially that little guy right there, you. I'm talking about you, right? So, so if you say something and he does the opposite, you're going, oh, that's okay, baby. Just do more and more and more opposite of what I tell you to do. No, I have to, I, well, I know you don't do that. But the interesting thing is when God says something to you, God. You ain't even God, and you want to make sure what you say is honored and carried out. Is that correct, sister? Right. So, God is talking. And do you think God's just talking just to be talking? He wants everything that he's communicating carried out. Right? It's God's living voice. When you're in fellowship, you recognize, hey, God's word is not casual. God's word is essential. God's word is authority. It's not something for me to pick and choose if, if I'm going to may or may not do it. It's not something for me to water down. That's not what God meant. That's what God said. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm not converting it into my understanding. I'm embracing God's intent and God's understanding of that word. And, and so this, this is the, 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 the main key for that increases the power of fellowship. The power of fellowship is about being around the word, Right? It's, 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 it's fellowshipping around the world. Uh, Philippians 1.5, right? Philippians 1.5. I'm going to read out of Amplified just for the sake of time. It says, I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation, and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news, the gospel, from the first day you heard it until now. Hey, he, he said, I thank God for your fellowship. And what was in the parentheses was fellowship with sympathetic cooperation, contributions, and partnership in advancing the good news. Everything that it takes to advance the word is what fellowship is. That's why it's powerful, right? Uh, that's Philippians 1.5, right? So Paul thanked them for his friends for continued fellowship in the gospel. And so why is it so important that we fellowship around the word? Because this is the interesting thing, because what is, our, what, what is our goal? What was the whole flow in the beginning? The first fellowship was started when God, what? He has so much love in him that, you know, so, so you got God is love, and within him came Christ. Within, within him also came uh, the Holy Spirit. But he, but, but he has so much love, he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Why? Because God is love and the number one attribute of love is given. So to pour out his love, he created man to fellowship with. And they're, they're in the garden and he's fellowshipping, right? In, in walking in the cool of the day, right? This was before sin, right? So, so after, after separation from fellowship from God, he sent his son to die to bring us back into what? Fellowship, Right? And so, but we can't enter back into fellowship with God without touching Jesus first, right? Once you're a believer, you can truly fellowship with Jesus. Okay, once I'm a believer, I can't truly fellowship with Jesus without touching the Holy Spirit first. Like, I, right, because what? He says, I'm sitting on the right hand of the Father, right? But I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, uh, John 14. I gave you 14.6, but let's, I want to read uh, 7 through 15, but I'm going to read it out of Amplified. Try to do this as quick as possible. It says, however, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. This is after he said, no man come to the Father but by me. He says, because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, stand by will not come to you into close fellowship with you. 
It says, but if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you, right? It says, when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin, about righteousness, upright of heart and right standing with God, and about judgment, about sin, because they do not believe in me, trust in, trust in, rely on, and adhere to me. This is Christ talking. He says, so he's going to talk to them about, about sin because they don't trust in me. He says about righteousness, uprightness of heart, and right standing with God, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So he's going to talk about right standing with God. He says about judgment. So the Holy Spirit's going to talk to us about judgment, properly assessing things. Because the ruler, evil genius, prince of this world, Satan, is judged, is assessed and condemned and sentenced already, sentenced already is passed upon him. I have still many things to say to you through the word. I, I just added that but you are not able to bear them or take them upon you to grasp them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, the, uh, the truth giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, the whole truth, full truth. For he will, he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor and glorify me because he will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, transmit it to you. So he's saying the Holy Spirit is a major part of the fellowship in general. But, but he said the Holy Spirit will start talking about um, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then, and, and when he talked about judgment, because Satan has already been condemned. And so, so when you start to think through this, why would you fellowship with the condemned? That's death. And not the redeemed, that's life. See, 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 this is a born-again fellowship. It's a born-again fellowship. The scripture says you must be born again. The scripture says it's not an ungodly counsel fellowship. The scripture says walk not... What? Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, of the ungodly nor standing where sin and sitting in the seat. Scornful, right? In uh, Psalm 1, 1, 2, 3. It's not an ungodly fellowship. The Scripture tells us to meditate on the Word day and night, do all that's written therein, right? It talks about that's your way to prosper and success. So, so it's a fellowship around the Word where we meditate on the Word day and night. It's not a fellowship around the condemned See, the condemned conform to the world while the redeemed are transformed through the word. The condemned conform to the world while the redeemed are transformed through the word. Right? And so, so let's go here to 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17. So I'm going to read both versions, King James Version and the classic Amplified Version. It says, look, it says, be ye, not un, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Look, here's that word fellowship again. What, what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord or harmony has Christ with Belial or, or the devil? It says, well, what part has he that believeth with the infidel, right? And it says, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? We're the temple of God, right? It says, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. When he says come out from among them, he says get in fellowship, get in a born-again fellowship. Get in fellowship around the Word. Don't fellowship around the condemned. You're going to be condemned. You're going to feel condemned. You're going to feel depressed because you're hanging with the depressed, right? And Amplify says this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke, meaning grab their bondage with them inconsistent with your faith. 
It says, for what partnership has right living and right standing with God with inequity and lawlessness? Or how can light fellowship with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Belial or the devil? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, even as God has said, I will dwell in them uh, Pretty much the same thing the other scripture said. So here God is saying it's a power in fellowship, but we want to make sure we're fellowshipping with the light and with the redeemed because there's power there. You don't want to fellowship with the condemned. And then you may say, yeah, but what about them? I don't want to leave them. Then bring them into fellowship with light. Don't go fellowship with them in darkness. That makes no sense. And you can't force somebody to come in the fellowship of light. Um, let's look at this real quick. Uh, John 3. I'm going back to a scripture because I just added it. Uh, this, this is amazing. John 3. Because remember when we opened up with Genesis 22, 25, how you should be naked and unashamed, right? So John 3, 20. It says, look, it says, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. It says, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Look, he that doeth truth cometh to the light, we could say that his deeds may be manifest or judged or assessed that we can see if they're in harmony with God's word and his will. That's how we can interpret it, uh, verse 21. Right? So, so when, when it says, lest his deed should be reproved, that word reproved there in the Greek is discovered. So, so verse 20 says, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. It's saying, discovered assessed, dealt with the reality of it. So this is the thing. That's how you measure relationships and stuff like that. When you measure them in the light, not in the dark, and you bring people in the light, they don't want to come to the light, you know I don't want to be around that person because people that's doing dirt hate light. It's, it's It's not rocket science, but it's easy, it's so interesting how they're going to pull you out of the light, tell you to hang around with darkness under the guise of, well, you're supposed to be a Christian, and you're supposed to love everybody. I love you enough to tell you the truth that you, that you can follow me into this light. Because I can't fellowship with darkness. Because it's going to make me what? Dark. Right? I, 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 I didn't hear your amen. I, I know it was in there somewhere. I don't believe you heard me, <laughs> right? And, and so, so, what happens is fellowship is a wonderful thing because it draws attention to God. It, it, it keeps us focused on God. It keeps us in fellowship with God. And, and so, you know, you can read this for yourself. When Jeremiah 29, 9 through 14 he was, he was saying how, man, like these people are prophesying falsely, right? They're, they're, they're telling you stuff that's off. But see, you, you, you recognize that when you're around light, you pick that up. But if you're not around light, you're going to take anything that's soothing, even if it's leading you to condemnation and destruction. That's not, that's not good, man. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4.13, we have the same spirit of faith. It says, so we speak. We speak the same thing. We're going to speak faith. So I want to be around people that are speaking faith, not magnifying the negative, not making it okay. And, I, and listen, this is not just because I'm a pastor. I remember I was in this gym growing up. I won't say the name of the gym right now. And this guy, he was a coach. He was a coach at the boys club. And so I'm sitting there, and I don't know what look I had on my face, but I couldn't be no more than 12, 13. I don't know how I was looking, you know, because I, I got, I'm a character. I got all types of faces. 
But whatever the look on my face was, he said, Keith, don't feel bad. I'm poor too. That's what came out of his mouth. I never said one word. He said, don't feel bad. I'm poor too. And I'm going to tell you what, my whole countenance changed. My countenance changed probably to more anger. Because I was like, what? why would you even say that to me? You're telling me to be okay with my situation. Because you're in a situation, and plus you're much older, so it's probably not good. But I'm just saying, but, you, but you're almost like, I'm supposed to be okay. I'm not supposed to try to break out. Now, I, I thought like this as, as, as a young child. With no Bible, no script, no nothing, I was just like, man, I ain't supposed to say that. Or, or a family member told me, hey, you can get that car and you can get somebody to steal the tires for you. That's how I ended up getting my first brand new car. Because I walked, I walked up that driveway, and as soon as that statement was made, on the inside, I was so cringed, like, you're, you're an authority in my life. I'm not saying I'm doing everything right, and I've never stole before at that time. But I'm like, you're not supposed to be instructing me to do that. Man, I'm going to give me a break. I didn't tell him. I just, I just said, nah, uh, 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 no, I think I said, okay. And I walked out of that driveway and said, I'm going to give me a brand new car. I'm not, why would you tell? I, I, I don't want to incriminate the person. But why, in the person's position in my life, you, you don't tell a kid that. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so, so I thought this way the whole time. Just tell me, to, tell me what I need to do. Tell me the truth. Tell me what's going to challenge me. I may not like it, but I got a target at least. Don't soothe me in my demise. I'm just going to be comfortable in where I don't want to be. Nah, 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 I'm sorry. We don't roll like that. So that's why Jesus was, uh, wanted them to get on one accord before the power broke through in Acts chapter 2, right? They were in fellowship in the upper room, right? They were in, it says they were on one accord. They're speaking the same things. So, so, see, everybody, they, they want us to do this and say that. I want you to do what God wants you to do because I want to be on God's page because I think he knows how, to, how, how we can be fulfilled. As long as it's what God said, we should be good, right? Uh, thank you. <laughs> you see, that, that's what the goal is. The Scripture says, now this is when they, were, they, 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 they weren't thinking right, but the principle is the same. We're designed to, when we get an agreement, power shows up. It says in Genesis eleven six, 6, it says they were of one speech, of one language, and it says nothing was restrained from them that they imagined to do. They couldn't be stopped because they was in agreement. And so we're cheating that when, when we isolate ourselves because we don't want to look bad. When we don't want nobody to give us the adjustment. But that's, that's what you do want. That's how you harmonize. That's how you, you get fit. Remember, you prepare yourself without, you get in the field, and when you get in the field, when you get among the fellowship, you make the adjustments. You, just, you constantly make the Listen, I came to a church. I used to leave because I just wanted to work. And a guy came up to me one day. He was joking. He said, man, you antisocial. Told the story before. When, when I walked away, we laughed. When I walked away, the Holy Spirit said, what's so funny? I said, well, we was just joking. He said, yeah, but I'm not joking. You are antisocial. I need you to get plugged in. And so that's when I decided to find some place I can serve. And then I found some place where I wasn't skilled. I didn't want to join a youth ministry at first. I ended up joining youth ministry three years later, but I didn't want to join a youth ministry because I would have been in charge. The basketball ministry, I was, in, I was a, a leader. I was a captain. I wanted to be in a ministry where somebody had to tell me what to do and I had to learn from them. So I joined security and maintenance because I didn't know what that was. I'd never seen security and maintenance in the church. And they told me when to come, when to go, how long to stay. And, and I had to learn. And then, then I, I had to dress up because my wife always cracks and tells the story where I used to wear my sweats with one pants leg up. And, and I, I didn't shave during the week. I only shaved on Sunday. 
I put a suit on on Sunday. And so I wore sweatsuits all the time. And, and so I had to wear slacks and a shirt to participate in this ministry. And so I remember the first day, the young lady was like, oh, you look nice there. I said, I don't look nice no other day. Well, just because I got, I got it. Look, I'm, I'm taking this person through the third degree when all they said was I was looking nice. But I was defending my position of this is how I roll. But what I was, I had to learn how to operate in excellence because I'm a part of a team. You see what I'm saying? So I had to shift what, how I flowed in my accountability and my responsibility and making my adjustments. I had to adjust how I spoke, how I talked, how I flowed because I'm representing a team. A home and away. When somebody was watching me and somebody wasn't. When I was at church and when I wasn't. I couldn't compartmentalize it. When I'm at church, I'm going to be holy. When I'm not at church, hey, they don't know what I'm doing. No, I had to flow a certain way. I changed my, my flow, and that, that I grew. Behind the scenes, me and this young lady, uh, for 18 years, we gave our life to, to another vision. Our ideas, our wisdom, our innovations, whatever we came up with, we gave to the church because our thought was, well, God don't have this one idea. And if I have this idea in a package of where I'm planning, I'm going to offer myself to it. That's when they gave all their stuff so, and put it at the apostles' feet. We know those was resources. They sold their houses and stuff. But in our particular case, it's giving ourselves to the kingdom. That's power in fellowship. You know, that's the mark of a disciple. You know, and, and that's why I like the uh, Bible study fellowships and all the other stuff we do. God talks and the girl talks because we're, it's all around the world. Everything is fellowshipping around the world. About to uh, uh, kick in sanctified singles here soon. That's, a, that's it's going to be galvanized around the world. Just another level around the world. And don't be getting so, and I'm going to say this respectfully, but don't be getting so pious where I'm above sanctified singles because I'm not trying to be a single. Sanctified singles is not about people trying to be single. It's about perfecting yourself as a single so you're ready for a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but that's what we do. Well, I don't want to be a part of youth ministry. I don't want to be a part of young adult. I don't want to be a part. All this stuff we don't want to be a part of, all these things are put in place to equip us to, to be what God wants us to be. Like, like we got to get, we got to embrace fellowship, not run from fellowship opportunity because we're, we're running from power. And we don't realize it. Like when you, you know, when you separate from the body, the scripture says apart from him, you can do nothing. When you separate from the body, you out there by yourself. When you're connected to the corporate body, now I learned this from my former pastor. You know, I had this, uh, I came up with this program and I thought it was for us. And the Lord said, no, I didn't give it to you. I gave it to you for the church. So I thought it was going to be my, my business. So I just came to him. I said, man, I just, this is something I like to do. I don't really need to. Prop, uh, to profit or anything from it. So I just give it to the church. He says, well, now I can talk to you. He says, because I didn't want you to think I was taking your idea. He, and he showed me this big piece of paper and he put a dot in the middle. He said, up to this point is you and your anointing against the world. He says, but when you plug yourself in, now it's you're connected to the, the, the corporate anointing. So now you got the corporate anointing back in everything you're doing. He says, but then the corporate anointing is connected to the body of Christ. Now you have the body of Christ, the corporate anointing, Back in everything you do. But, but that's connected to God. So now you're connected. You're, you're a part of the body. Everything. Right. Drink something hot. It's going to go through your whole body. It affects your whole body. Because it's all connected. Let, let you, uh, something happen with your brain and, 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 uh, or, 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 or you get pressure on your brain. It affects the rest of your body. Because it's all connected. Let your body get blessed. Everything feels blessed. Your eyesight feels blessed. Your feet feel blessed. Your knees feel, what? Oh, you, oh, you couldn't walk last week because you was depressed. This week you're feeling good. All of a sudden, hey, no, 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 I'm good. I, I don't know where that pain went. Why? Because it's affecting your whole body. Same thing. When, like, some of us are like fingers hanging out in these pews by itself. When it's supposed to be connected to the hand, it's connected to the body. So the hand's getting blessed, but the finger's over there dying daily. We can't be apart from fellowship. 
fellowship, disciples cross. The bottom of that cross is that word, right? Anchored in the word. Top of the cross is what? Prayer to God. That, that, that part of the cross, right? That is horizontal, right? Horizontal part of the cross is what? Your relationship with God. Left side of the cross is witnessing. Right side of the cross is fellowship. That's your relationship with man. That's the cross. When you're taking up your cross, it's the word. It's prayer. It's witnessing. It's fellowship. It's all the whole package. If you ain't doing the fellowship part, your cross is leaning. Eventually, it's going to tip over. And, and people struggle with witnessing. So if you ain't doing the fellowship and you ain't doing the witnessing, your cross is like this. <laughs> your cross is, oh, oh, strong wind. Your cross is falling down. It's, uh, uh, LaBarbera said it's unstable. All right? All right, so uh, we're going to be doing the, um, the uh, relationship boot camp next week. So I did actually have some more information, so maybe we'll talk about it another time. <laughs> Look, she said Friday. <laughs> oh, that's cool. We could. I forgot we do have Bible study fellowship. So you know, maybe, maybe we can weave some of it into our Bible study fellowship. When you said Friday, I was like, we can't be having no Friday night service. Or we can, but I'm saying that, that, ain't, fair. that ain't fair to them. But you was talking about the fellowship. It's true. All right, so that's, that's all for today. Uh, yeah, any insights, thoughts, questions, uh, 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 things that stimulated you either online, if if you're so led, you could either chat it, you could just uh, type it in as a comment, give it a chance because it's on a delay since we're on real time to pop up here. And once it pops up here, then, then they'll, they'll share what you've talked about. Or you can put your TV on mute, call in on the call-in line that's on the bottom of the screen and, and share what your thoughts or comments in. Once again, we're on a, a delay, so I've already said what you just heard. <laughs>